The balance of work and life is a delicate song and dance. Some of us have it better mastered than others, but for all of us, it's an unavoidable part of our photography business ownership. As much as our work is either done from home or in the pockets of time that we can carve out to spend on our businesses, intentionality is a must when it comes to creating real and healthy boundaries around our personal and business lives. Welcome to the Motherhood Anthology Podcast, Photography Education for a Business You Love. My name is Kim Box, and I'm your host with the collaboration and help of my co-hosts and business partners at the Motherhood Anthology, Jenny Kruger and Allison Craig. Today, I'm so happy to share with you part one of a two-part series with Nancy Ray, business coach, podcaster, and homeschooling mama of four. Nancy left behind her exceptionally successful photography career a few years ago to focus almost solely on being a mom and creating a whole new business where she only works one day a week. Nancy knows so well the complexities of managing your own photography business and has a wealth of knowledge to share and experience to back it. So now I present to you part one of Work-Life Balance and episode number 36 of the Motherhood Anthology podcast. Hello. Hello, Nancy Ray. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to have you here today. Me too. We're just going to dive right in. So I just want to say that I really, I know I say I'm so excited to speak to everyone and I am, but I'm so genuinely excited to spend some time with you today. Thank you. For those that are listening that might not know Nancy, she now has one of my very favorite podcasts, Work and Play with Nancy Ray. Once upon a time, if you don't know Nancy's background, she had a thriving wedding photography business with a whole team of photographers. And for those that know here, I'm one of the owners of Indie Film Lab. When Nancy decided to close her doors, she was our number one client at the Film Lab. I say that to say that I just have so much respect for people that really have so much success as the world defines it, but look, have taken that take a moment to look around at their own life and go, you know, this is not success for me. I'm going to do something different. That, that really does, I think, take a very special person. And I think you are a very special person. And so I'm excited Thank to chat you, about Kim. that today. Thank yeah. you. Anyway, let's just start with you telling people that might not know you a little about you and your family and your journey. Yes. So thank you for having me. I'm Nancy Ray. I'm so grateful to be here. I have four kiddos. My oldest just turned eight. I've got a five-year-old, a four-year-old and a one and a half-year-old. So I'm about to move into, we're about to have some birthdays. So it's going to be two, four, six, and eight by the time summer's over are the ages of my kids and married to my husband for almost 15 years. We'll celebrate 15 in just a few weeks, which is super exciting. And I love entrepreneurship business. I'm a Christian. So everything I talk about is really anchored in my faith and love just mostly being at home with the kids now, but I do have a podcast called work and play with Nancy Ray, which is a fun outlet for me. And I get to talk to a lot of wonderful people and have a lot of fun conversations like the one we get to have today. So thanks for having me on Kim. So isn't a podcast a fun thing? Like it I is. feel, I feel like it's back in the day when you could call someone and say, Hey, would you have coffee with me? And let me pick your brain for me. That's what it is. Like people are too busy these days to have coffee, especially the 
you know, smart, successful folks, they're so busy. And so I feel like it's just like almost an excuse to get to say, Hey, would you be on the podcast and (laughs) And just hang out for a little bit? We can pretend like we're sipping our coffee in a coffee shop and we get to invite a lot of lovely listeners in on our conversation, which makes it more fun too. It does. So I want you to tell everyone about your photography journey. First of all, let's start there. Oh, okay. I could talk about this for an hour, but I'm going to try to be really concise. I actually majored in photography in college. I joke about that because I say it prepared me for about like 2% of what I actually put into practice in the wedding world. Cause I was really trained in like fashion photography and studio photography. And I was like, no, I want weddings. I knew I wanted to be a wedding photographer. So I jumped in, started shooting weddings. I think I shot my first wedding for like $0. And then my second one for like $400 and then grew from there little by little. I think I started when I was like a sophomore or junior in college and then bought the domain Nancy Ray photography before I was Nancy Ray. I was engaged to be married to my husband, Will. He proposed at the end of my sophomore year. So we got married young, just kind of grew my photography business um, during the first part of our marriage. And we didn't have our first kid until we were like six and a half, seven years into marriage. So this first seven years, I just poured myself into growing this photography business and started out with just me shooting weddings. And then I roped in my husband and we did the husband wife photography team thing for a little while. And then we had this really important conversation in a coffee shop one day where we wrote out all these pros and cons to like, okay, do you want to quit your job and us like go all in with this husband, wife photography thing, or do you will want to keep pursuing your career goals? And I start building out a team of photographers and we chose the latter. So I started hiring interns and associate photographers, and that led me on a totally new business path where I was learning not only to be a great photographer and run a profitable business, but also manage a team and what that looks like and having great team culture and leading fun team meetings and retreats and also really empowering them to do beautiful work too, so that I could grow my business while being home with my family. So they could be out shooting weddings while I was home, because during that time I started to have babies and I had my first in 2015. And so I have two girls and two boys And so my photography business lasted 12 years and it was in the 11th year when I was pregnant with my third child that I started feeling a tug on my heart for God to just move me in a new season and a new, a new direction. And that was really, it was hard. It was scary because it's all I had ever known as a career, like from being in college and building this thing that was we were shooting a lot of weddings and we were doing film and we we're huge fans of Indie Film Lab. You guys are just like such a fun partner with us. We loved y'all and still love you guys. But it was like, what am I doing? I have, I've built this team. I've built this amazing business that I love. It's not like I didn't love it. But as I was pregnant with my third, I went on this retreat and I just felt like the Lord was just saying, hey, like, let's go back to neutral, kind of lay it all on the table. What do I want with my life? And I really just felt like there are a few, a few key things that happened that was like, it is time to close the doors of Nancy Ray photography. And I didn't really know what else I had. I just kind of knew that that season was done. I had just started my podcast and I knew I was going to kind of want to carry that on into the next season. But other than that, it was just kind of an act of faith to just close the doors and step forward. 
So that's kind of the story of Nancy Ray photography in like a very short amount of time, but over, yeah, I think all of that lasted about 12 years. I closed it right before COVID too. So that was really nice timing on that note. I closed my last shot, my last wedding at the end of 2019. So I'm, let me tell you something that's super meaningful to us. So I um, just had Shauna Skidmore on the podcast, Yes, love her. And I really put you two both in kind of the same category. Like, I think you guys are up there and just have so much of the similar wisdom. And so I was listening to her podcast, which is another one of my very favorites and you were on, I'd gone back. I think you were like one of the very first guests and I went back yeah. to the beginning and listened that you told the story of this, that when you decided to close your business and how we had invited you to the Long Live Film Workshop to speak and that that we told you, you know, there that you were one of our, you were our top client at Indie Film Lab. And it caught me by surprise and it was so sweet and it meant so much, the nice things that you said. And I shared that with Josh and like everyone at the film lab heard that and the nice things that you had to say. So thank you for just saying that. It meant so much. Yeah. If anyone listening wants to hear that story, you should definitely go back to, to Shanna's, what is it? Consider the wildflowers podcast and goodness. Yeah. She caught me off guard because she asked me like, what was a memory or like a moment? I can't even remember the question that was like meaningful to you or Mm -hmm. that was like one of your top moments as you were like finishing out and I recalled that time where I was asked to speak there because as they welcomed me on stage, they're like, Nancy Ray is our number one client. And I had no, I had no idea, Kim, I, I had no idea that I was your top client. And so when I walked up there, I was like, what? And I was standing in front of these like amazing photographers that I had looked up to for so long. And it just was such a humbling moment. And I, I lost it on that podcast episode. You'll have to go listen to the whole story because I just start crying. I mean, it was just such a beautiful gift to be able to share that and to share my heart that day at the workshop. So I will forever be grateful for the indie team. I love you guys. Well, I think that's just such a testament to who you are because, you know, we all know there are really great artists that have a hard time making money and there are really great business people that are not that you don't think of as being like artists. And I feel like you are such a blend of both. Like you, you are, and were such an amazing business person in the photography industry, but you are such an amazing artist as well. So Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons I really wanted to chat today as well. And before we, you know, you have so much like great info that we'll get onto, but I wanted to ask you just some business questions around photography, even though you're not, you know, currently running a photography business. I know that you just have so much great business wisdom. And so what do you think led to your success? Because again, you were our number one client. Like what, if you had to kind of summarize that for someone else, like what advice would you give about growing a business? What are your tips on that? That's a great question because I don't think it's just one thing, but as I'm thinking back, As far as the artistry behind my work and what I put into the creativity, I never stopped improving. I never felt like I had arrived. I always felt like there was someone I could learn from. In the early days of photography, that means I really need to sharpen my focus and make sure that I'm using my f-stop well and have a good handle on lighting and shutter speed and all those technical things that you really hone in on in in the beginning. But then as I got 
you know, those things pretty well locked in, I would start to just study kind of how other people were doing certain things or using lighting in this, in this way, or how did they get that? Or why aren't my colors exactly like that? I was always learning, always seeking to improve. And once I built my team, it was neat because we would have critiques for one another. And that was one thing I kind of learned from college. We would always have like a closing critique at the end of class where someone would put a photo up on the wall and we would all, all critique it. And so that felt very normal for me, but I think creatively, it always kept us putting our best foot forward because we would, we would critique each other's work as a team. And that was something from the start. I was like, we always need to be able to receive feedback. And so I think I was always just wanting to grow and never felt like I really ever nailed it. I also think that communication is one of, was one of our strengths. And I saw a question the other day. I cannot remember where I saw it, but it was like, if you would rather have a mediocre, a mediocre photographer who communicated really well with you and treated you really, really like the most important person or a really incredible photographer who wouldn't communicate, what would you, which would you choose? And the poll was hands down the one that would communicate with you because it's a time of life where people are just busy and they need communication. Like a bride wants to know they're taken care of. And that isn't always just in pretty photos. It's a lot of times how quickly you get back to them. And so from the start, I remember thinking, I will not be a photographer who ghosts my clients or waits a couple of weeks to respond. Like I want to be someone on point. And so I think that set us apart. And then the last thing I'll say is we always made an effort to just really wow our clients in little ways, in big ways, you know, towards the end of our career, we, we did things like, you know, we had a whole client workflow that we took them through, but we would always send them a Starbucks gift card, you know, tips for um, your marriage versus just your engagement or just your wedding photos, how to like make this last. We would send them, or we would show up on the day of with an extra handkerchief in our photography bag and just always be ready to like hand that off to the bride. Because a lot of times they just like, there are things that we felt like we always saw people forgetting and sometimes they wouldn't, but sometimes they would. And in that moment when you could be the hero and like hand them the hanky and be like, you just keep that. We brought that for you. Those things really make an impression. We would bring a little Instax camera and like take a few pictures of them, you know, while we're doing mm -hmm. portrait time and then put them in an envelope and stick it in the mail to them. So when they got back from their honeymoon, they had a few Polaroids just to put up on their fridge from their wedding day, things like that, that I feel like they really loved us because we thought of them in like little ways as well as big ways. And then we would just be really timely with returning our photos and just how we served them, always following up and sending them a Christmas present. It was like all these little things that I feel like they just really appreciated and therefore would like highly recommend us to friends and family. And it, again, it's like, I am proud of the work we did. It was, I think it was beautiful and you guys made our work look beautiful at Indie. And also it was a combination of all these things of just caring for that human, that person in the season of life that they were in as they're carrying a lot, just kind of, you know, touching their heart in ways that like, it's unusual for a photographer to think about those things or do those things, but it really wowed them. And so I think maybe a combination of all of those things were what led to our success. So I've kind of asked different versions of that question to different guests and a reoccurring piece of really good advice, I think, is that if you do nothing else to grow your business, if you will just give 
great customer service. Yes. That will do more than almost anything else because it's not the norm. And so people really appreciate, you know, when you love on them and care for them and make them feel like, you know, they're important. And so that's great advice. I think the motherhood anthology is centered around motherhood photography, but we get so many photographers that are leaving the wedding world, looking for something that's, you know, easier for their life and their schedule and more family friendly. So I shot weddings. It's so funny. So I just shot a wedding last Saturday, but I rarely shoot weddings anymore, but I will shoot for friends or just a few that, you know, I want to shoot these days, but we have so many people that are leaving that wedding industry, looking for something to replace that income and also have people that within the motherhood anthology or within the motherhood genre are so busy. They're, they're trying to build a team of their own. So could you give us some advice? Cause I know that I believe you had a course on this at one point about hiring a team and people are always asking in our group, like what, what should I look for or what tips do you have? So what's your advice for hiring a team? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. I wanted to grow my business, but I didn't want that growth to be tied with my personal hours invested in, you know, shooting more weddings of how it's set up, right? It's a service-based business. And so you trade hours for money, but I was thinking of it like, okay, well, if I built a team, they could be out photographing weddings or families and I could be home and my business would still grow. And so I think it's a great approach if you're wanting to kind of dial back the workload that you have. I mean, the other options, obviously raising your prices, right? You can raise your prices or you can try to duplicate yourself to grow your income. And my biggest advice would be to really front load I guess your approach, your hiring process, who you want, like make sure that the front end of that process is really heavy, meaning have tons of interviews with them. Like once you put it out there that you're hiring for a team or you want to bring somebody on, make sure that you get somebody that you really trust. I always tell people don't hire according to skill. That's usually what we think. Like, okay, we want to hire someone that's really good at photography, or we want to hire someone that's really good at systems, right? If we're hiring like a studio manager, somebody like we want to, those are important. Those are good things, but I never hired according to skill. I always hired according to character and values, work ethic, like who they are. One of my number one questions I always ask is, do I like this person? (laughs) Would I like spending a lot of time with them? Like that, those were the drivers of my interview questions. And that I think is what led to so much success for us as a team because the ladies I hired did not have any experience in photography. They loved it. They wanted to be photographers, but they didn't have experience, but I was able to train them. And therefore they adopted my same style and vision and technique. And that really led to a cohesive team because we were really aligned in our values. We were really aligned in our character and like where we were going. I felt like I could really link arms with those ladies. So don't rush the hiring process and, you know, let's get someone on board and then focus on getting them booked up right away. Slow play it in the beginning, get the right people, spend a lot of time training them. Then it's really going to pay off in the end. That'd probably be my biggest piece of advice. I feel like that's where I get my advice from, because I heard that from you back in the day, because we have a team still of photographers that shoot weddings. And so 
I always get asked about a team and that's what I always say is hire based on, do you like them? Do you want to spend time with them? Do you trust them? That's, that's the main thing. Their talent is not the main thing because we have had a couple of experiences where it did not go well. And it, it can be, I mean, not only just from a business perspective, but from just a like heart wrenching because you, when, you know, you feel like, I feel like they're family when they're part of our team. And um, so, and then another thing that, that I always do, and the girls now laugh at me, but I always like ask them to lunch and I try to have a few meals with them. And I think maybe you said that somewhere along the way, Mm -hmm. because you can, you get a feel for someone over a meal that you cannot get in a, just a job interview across a desk. So it's so true. And we would even do, so Dave Ramsey teaches this in his book, Entree Leadership, and he has a great chapter on hiring. So if you're hiring, go read, get that book and read that chapter. But one thing he recommends is doing like a spouse interview, like taking the candidate and their spouse out to lunch or dinner and interviewing both of them, mm. which seems like kind of crazy, really, if you think about it. And it's funny because we were all so young when I'm doing this. So I remember hiring Callie. She was not married. She was just dating this guy, Jamie. And we're like, you and Jamie coming to lunch with us. And they were like, what this is. And this is for like a part-time position, like just so funny. And, but it's great because we were able to ask him questions about her, her questions about him. We got to know them. And then they, both of them became dear friends of ours. She's like sweet in the long term, but also you can, you know, if someone's like married to a crazy person or you feel like mm-hmm. you, it, there's a lot that you can tell about a person when they're standing there, sitting there in that relationship And I just thought that was so funny. So I was like, I'm just going to try it. We'll see how this goes. And I did. And I was like, that was actually very helpful. So Mm -hmm. yeah, having them out like to meals or having like a spouse interview if they're married or all of those things just give you another experience with that person to shed light on like another angle of who they are, which will help tell you whether or not they're good for your team. Like it's not, it is weird, but it's not weird because it helps you really understand who they are holistically. And I think that's what you really want to do before you ever extend that invitation to come and work with you and spend all those hours with you. So true. So Nancy, why didn't you turn your business over to your associates? Why did you not just stop shooting and have them working? That's a great question. I think first of all, one of my associates had told me that she was ready to leave. And that was a really good, this was right before I decided to close it. It was a really good signal for me to assess, do I want to keep this and grow it or do I not? And at that point, being pregnant with my third, I just didn't really feel like I had the passion that I once had for it. Like, did I want to go through hiring another associate or two, training them, working? I wasn't really feeling like I really, really wanted to do that. And so that to me was a sign, like maybe my heart isn't in this. Because like a few years before that, I would have been like, great, like I bless you and let's hire a couple more. Like it just was the the timing of everything. And so I knew that I didn't really want to like invest in just bringing on more people. And so that would have left it at the time I had two wedding photography, wedding photography associates plus myself and a family photographer and an intern. And after just talking with them, because you're right, it is like a family. Like when one of them told me she was ready to leave, we all just sat down and we're like, what is really the best path forward here? And I took that time and just like prayed about it. And honestly, there were so many confirmations from the Lord that he just said again and again, that it was just 
time for like my business to come out of harvest, like in the peak of what it was and the high success that I had and just move into winter and just let it, let it close up. Like let it die. Sounds like very sad. (laughs) Not let it die. But like in a way, like winter is like a closing. It is almost like a death. It was, it was, I mean, and I grieved it. Like I'll be real. It really was so hard for me. I cried and cried and cried over this decision, but I just knew in my heart that for me, the Lord was really showing me, I can't explain to you why, but it's just time for this to be over. Like, it's just time to close the doors. And so I cried through the whole thing, but was like, okay, like this, there are so many circumstantial signs and different things I was experiencing, like at church. And my husband went to this work thing and he like heard from this speaker that was talking all about seasons of business, very specifically talking about like how to close up businesses when it's time, like all these different things that were like, Lord, I know you are leading me to just be done with this. And it was just like a step of faith for me to be like, okay, this is, it's done. And so the other associate who was still photographing for me, photographing weddings, she was very interested in starting her own business. And so I blessed her in that and let her just kind of take it and run with it. Um, But yeah, we just decided just to close it up. I, I think that was a really long answer to basically say the short thing, which is, I really felt like I was just obeying God to close it and not, not keep it going for the sake of keeping it going. So do you have, do you ever have moments of regret or do you ever, are you ever tempted to return to photography or do you think you, you ever would? You know, it's funny. A lot of people always say, well, you can always come back to it. Like when the kids get older, you can always come back to it. And that's true. I absolutely could, but I just, I don't think, I think it was like very, like there was a lot of closure when I said goodbye and I don't think I'll come back to it. Not at least in the sense of shooting weddings and having a team and kind of building that whole portfolio. I just feel like that was a season that was so wonderful and fun for me. And I think it's done. So no regrets. Do I miss it? 100%. When you grow confident in a skill that you've honed in on for over a decade, and then you just don't really get to use it very much anymore. I kind of feel sad. Like it's Mm -hmm. a little hard. I really miss wedding days. I miss the crazy people involved and the hard lighting situations. I know this sounds crazy probably to a lot of people listening because y'all are like, I don't want to do weddings anymore. (laughs) Like I don't like weddings, but I just loved it. I loved the craziness of wedding days. I loved the challenge of it all. I'm, I miss it, of course, but I don't think that I'll go back to it. I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of new things to try in the world. So I'm at peace just kind of moving forward. I think that's a really hard transition or it was, is, was, it still is for me. Honestly, like I said, I shot a wedding Saturday and the wedding planner there who I've worked with for 20 years, like she's so wonderful. And it was so much fun. Like you said, like I enjoyed, like I was there with two other photographers on our team. So it's not the wedding day. I think that is the thing. If you've shot weddings, you will understand this, but it's the mental space that it takes up because it's such a responsibility. Yeah. You know, usually that's on your calendar a year out that you've got to be at a place on a day, no matter what, and be creative. And so it's a lot of pressure. But once you're there, it's fun. Yeah. But the wedding planner said to me, no, the mother of the bride said to me, the planner, Mary, she told me that you were semi-retired. And so we are so happy that you would come do this. And I was like, 
oh, it hurt my heart. Like to hear those words, semi-retired. And because I think, you know, when you're like a wedding photographer or a portrait photographer, like so much of, or no matter what you do, so much of your identity is wrapped up in that thing. And to, to say, I don't do that anymore. I'm not that anymore. It's such a scary transition. It is. Yeah. It feels like a big loss and it, I totally agree that it feels like it's part of your identity and it's a hard thing to separate that out, but also a good thing, you know, to just kind of say, okay, I'm going to miss this. And I do miss this. And that is okay. And realizing I still have those gifts in me and I can use them on my kids or I can use them at, you know, for, to mm. bless families or to bless other people that are close with me, but you're right. It's a different ballgame on a wedding day. There's like, it is fun when you get there. There's all kinds of time limitations and lighting circumstances that you're constantly solving these problems. And I personally love it. So I miss it. I think it's okay to miss it. And also know that, Hey, there's, there are so many other new things that I get to try now that my, my calendar and my space is freed up and yeah, wedding weekends, like a a year out minimum that you're booked. It's like, that was a big sigh of relief. When I was done, I was like, I don't know what this life is like that my Saturdays are not already booked this year. Like this is weird. You know, it's crazy. Well, so for so many of our listeners, thankfully for TMA, they're not leaving photography completely, but they're transitioning into, like I said, motherhood photography, which is, is more flexible, can be scheduled easier than weddings. And so we'll change gears a little bit and talk to them about all the things that I think you do so well. And you, you, you have so much wisdom on as far as like running their business. So I sent you the question, your best work hacks, but I know that's, <laughs> that's, that's very broad. So let's talk about like, let's talk about your transition from weddings and, and kind of, I know that you say that you went from working, you know, six days a week to now you work one day a week but there was a transition in there. So if you would, like, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think it was gradual for me before I had kids, I was definitely working six days a week, plus like evenings for shoots. And my husband was youth pastor at that time. So we were doing tons of church stuff as well. I mean, it was a crazy life. We were so burnt out. It was crazy. We were also in our early twenties with no kids. So, you know, different season of life. Um, When I had my first baby, I took a nice like four month maternity leave. And then when I came back to work, I was like, okay, I'm going to do, I think four days a week and limit my weddings. And then when I had my second baby, I was like, okay, let's do three days a week. And then when I had my third, I was like, okay, we're going to do two days a week (laughs) that I'm working in the studio. And by that time I had a team carrying a lot of the load for me. And then, um, I closed down the business when he was one. And then I went on to have a fourth after that. So when I had Benji, my fourth, I had still been carrying on my podcast and everything. And then I took like a solid six months off of work. Like I don't want to do record a podcast. I don't want to get on social media. I don't want to do a thing. I want to be home with my four babies with, without touching anything. And that was such a refreshing time. I loved, I loved that break from social media, from work, from all of it. But when I came back from that, I was like, okay, what is like healthy and good for Nancy? What do I want? And I think I loved being home with the kids so much, but I also really love my podcast and doing some work um, that I kind of settled in on like one day a week felt really good. 
for me to just kind of have focus time to really get my work done, record, you know, hopefully batch record my podcasts and answer emails and plan out social media stuff and, you know, whatever the long list of things that I need to work on. So yeah, I think that has kind of been my rhythm for the last year to two years. Benji's about to turn two and it's been like really refreshing, but also honestly, really tricky because sometimes my childcare will like change or be unpredictable. Or sometimes there will be a field trip booked like on my one day that week, or a child will get sick. And I know all the mamas listening are like, Oh yeah. Like (laughs) I know that. So it's not as tidy as it sounds. I would love, you know, there to be like no problems or no conflicting schedules. I mean, be like, yes, I work one day every week from like eight to five and there's no interruptions, but that is just like, not the case. Like even today, as I'm recording this, my sweet mother-in-law is the one who provides childcare for me one day a week. And she's such a blessing to me and so wonderful. But this week she was like, I have something in the morning, so I can't get there until noon. So I'm like, okay, we're going to just, we're going to pivot that. And I'm going to figure something else out to get in all my work. So sometimes I'll have like a night, the you know, in the week that I'll, I'll get stuff done. I think as a mom, you just have to know that you can set things up, but you always need to be willing to flex. And that is so hard for people like me who really love a nice tidy schedule, but also it's like not that now has become my norm. Like this is what we try to do, but I'm also very willing and ready to flex my schedule whenever I need to. But during that time, you know, I am so limited with my time. I just have to really ask myself, what are the things that I have to get done when the kids aren't around? And like the number one answer for that is recording a podcast. Like I can't, I can't record a podcast when they're around. Although I have before, not going to lie. I've done a few like 15 minute episodes with all of them watching a show on the TV. But I think just making sure that I'm really prioritizing the things that have to get done without interruption. You asked about my work hacks. I think like very simple things, but like, I always do this stupid game with myself called email ninja, where I like set a timer for my emails and get as much as I can do with my emails in like an hour. And then I shut down my email the rest of the day. And for whatever reason, having that, and I play a game and I see how many I can delete and answer out of my inbox in that hour. I try to do that once a week and it really keeps me on task. And I think even just having a routine, like when I start my day, these are the things that I do. I like tidy up. I get everything ready for the kids for the end of the day. And then I start working so that I'm not scrambling later on. And then my like shutdown routine, I do at the end of the day and I like write down all the things that I have left to do. And then I close my computer and say, shut down complete, like out loud so that I know I am done working and turn my brain off. Like it's so cheesy, but those little things, I just like, I've got to kind of make this into a game to make my time super efficient and make sure that I'm doing things to the best of my ability, getting the most important things done. So yeah. Okay. Side note. And then I'll stop talking. I do have a podcast episode called my eight best work hacks. I talk about some of these things a little bit more in there, but maybe I can send that episode to you if you want to listen to those more, but they're just like, I don't know, mom hacks too, that help you be nimble and quick to like pivot and make sure that you're doing your best work on the days that you are working. You have another episode that I was listening to about making the most out of limited time. And so I thought there were some great tips in there. You say, I love to quote, was it the, the Abraham Lincoln quote about, what is it? Give me 
Yep. I have it. It's give me six hours to chop down a tree yes. and I will spend the first four sharpening the ax. That's <laughs> right. That quote. Yep. Yeah. So you talk a lot about just make time for planning. And I think yes, that's so important because so often I, I think most people have so much to do that you're kind of overwhelmed by it all when you have the time to, yes. to do the things. And there are certainly days where I still feel like I dropped the kids off or, you know, Grammy arrives and I'm just sitting there at my desk, like a deer in the headlights. I'm like, what am I supposed to do right now? There's so much that I could do, but taking the time to make a plan is absolutely part of it. Like I try to plan out my week every week. I try to make a list of like the top three work things that I have to get done this week, every week, you know, and then just really, as soon as the kids are dropped off, I know exactly what I'm going to tackle first. I think that's just really helpful for your brain, especially mom brain. So what's your morning routine look like, Nancy? Oh goodness. Honestly, it's been kind of revamped in the last like six months, but it's really working for me right now. But I share that to say, I don't know that this would have worked sooner because, okay, well, I'll just tell you what I'm doing now. And then I'll explain why I said that. So now I'm waking up at 515. And I have a quiet time. I read scripture and then I write my journal and I kind of plan out my day. And then I throw on some workout clothes and I do a workout first thing in the morning. Usually the kids wake up and like wander into the playroom while I'm doing my workout there. And then I'll go down and kind of get breakfast on the table and then I'll take a shower and get dressed. Okay. It, that, let me just say, has been so life-giving for me. Having regular exercise has been more mental than physical. It is like a game changer. And I've never, never worked out five days a week in my life until the last six months. But I have really, really been loving it because of the energy I feel like I've gotten back from it, which feels counterintuitive. You feel like you'd be tired after workout, but it's the opposite that happens. I feel so energized and so much stronger. Now, I, I don't think I would have been able to do this a year ago just because I was still breastfeeding Benji. Like, I don't even know how many times a day at that point, probably like five times a day. I feel like my sleep, we were also so sick all the time last year. And I feel like I, I, I just needed as much sleep as I can possibly get. But this year we kind of turned a corner and stopped getting so sick. And I started exercising more and it's been really life-giving, but just want, you know, mamas are listening. And like, I feel like you just need to know that it's okay if you can't wake up at 5.15 and work out every morning right now, because it took me until he was a year and a half old till I could really do that consistently. Yeah. So just grace for the mamas listening. You got to do what works for you in the season that you're in, but it's been really like just so life-giving for me to have that time to myself, to take care of my body, to eat something and to get dressed every morning. I feel like a hundred bucks every morning, which is wonderful. I appreciate you so much, Nancy. I've been a huge fan of Nancy's podcast, Work and Play with Nancy Ray, and I love how genuine her nature and encouragement is no matter the space that she's in. I hope you too find this episode to be filled with encouragement as you navigate the highs and lows of photography business ownership. You can find even more encouragement over at the Motherhood Anthology community on Facebook. Hop in this free community with over 5,000 like-minded photography business owners. You can find all kinds of inspiration and answers to your questions from people who just get it. Owning your own business can feel like working a bit solo. So finding a community to bounce ideas off of, in my opinion, is the key to longevity and success in our industry. So head over to Facebook and join us today. 
Heather Shook once said, you'll never truly be satisfied by work until you're satisfied by life. I just love that quote. So from Ireland to yours, until next time, friends.